Thank you for choosing to listen to this episode today. Before we begin, I just wanted to let you know that recently, Talks Talk changed its name to Talks Now. So during this episode, at multiple points, you'll hear us refer to Talks Talk and the website Talks Talk. But you can check out all that great content at Talks Now, T O X N O W dot O R G, and follow us at our Twitter feed at Talks Now. So same great people, same great content, just a slightly different name. Thanks for listening. We'll continue with the episode now. Hello, and welcome to another exciting edition of Talks Talk. Uh, I'm Matt Zuckerman, a toxicologist at the University of Massachusetts. And uh, the purpose of this episode is really to discuss uh, an emerging phenomenon. Recently, headlines from the newspapers discuss cases uh, reported out of the Arizona Poison Control Center of, of the drug Crocodile. Um, and then more recently, there have been discussed some cases in Illinois. And media outlets have been running with stories with lines like, the smell of rotting flesh fills the room, and photos almost universally from one particular documentary uh, from Russia uh, uh, fill the Internet and seem to be uh, almost duplicated on every website. And, and while this is a great way to scare the, to scare the heck out of people about the quote-unquote flesh-eating drug, uh, from a medical and scientific perspective, I don't really find it all that helpful um, I want to know about about the drug, about what I can expect to see in patients, and about, as a toxicologist, how to understand this phenomenon. So to get through some of that panic, we'll be talking to one of the few people who have actually published about uh, desimorphine abuse, known colloquially as uh, crocodile. Uh, this is Dr. Maximilian Gar from the University Hospital of Ulm, Department of Psychiatry in Germany. During the course of this interview, I found out a few things um, about a very similar crisis that occurred in Germany a few years ago when media outlets also started to report about this quote-unquote flesh-eating drug. Although I would imagine in, in German it sounds even, even scarier, um, uh, as most things do. This is Dr. Goss speaking. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate you taking time to, to take the call. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you uh, was initially uh, back in April. Um, so I'm a toxicologist and I work in uh, Massachusetts and with the Boston Poison Control Center. And we had seen a suspected case of someone who said that they had used crocodile. And um, and it was an unconfirmed case. And um, I hadn't heard of it before. So I tried to look into more information about it. And when I searched the medical literature, there was very little that came up. But there were a couple of papers by you, actually. There was there was uh, a paper called Desimorphine Goes uh, Crocodile, and there was a paper, uh, Crocodile Revival of an Old Drug with a New Problem, both of which seemed to be pretty good reviews of of what we know about it so far. Reading those papers, it really gave me more information than I could find anywhere else about about it at the time. And I was just wondering what sparked your interest to, to look into it and to write those papers. Yes, um, actually, in I think it was in autumn, the emerges originally from Russia. And um, we here in Ulm, this is a city in the southern part of Germany, in the university hospital. And we also read this, of course, in the newspapers, and we were quite because here in psychiatry, we also treat patients with addiction um, disorders, of course, and so it's um, part of our business to be informed and up-to-date regarding new substances. It was just first 
that we read those newspaper reports and afterwards we tried to into this um, new phenomenon we tried to uh, bring together the available evidence and this is actually the basis base for um, these two short reports unfortunately we but of course this is kind of um, <laughs> um, a positive circumstance unfortunately we didn't have a case of our own here and those I think it was four or six cases which were seen and reported in the western parts of Germany in the Ruhr area these cases have also not been confirmed so it was just you know media reports um, the coincidence of um, media reports and our business or daily business that we were getting interested in this phenomenon okay and it seemed like I mean just to put it in, in context so that the drug crocodile is sort of a street name for uh, an impure home-concocted drug, desimorphine, which is from the 1930s, but prior to its suspected appearance in Germany, it sounds like it had sort of ravaged Russia. And my understanding is that there was a lot of concern that it would move westward and, and hit more and hit Europe. Right, right. Yes, in Russia, um, it came up, I think, in the year 2000, and... Um, in Russia, codeine, which is a um, basic um, ingredient for the um, self-manufacturing process of crocodile, codeine is an over-the-counter drug, and people, I don't know how, but some possible heroin addicts um, figured out that it's possible to construct or cook opiate or morphine-like agent by using over these over-the-counter drugs, codeine, and certain other ingredients possibly the, the tops of the matches, which contain phosphorus and some other byproducts. And I think this is understandable that people are um, trying to find other ways to get access to those quite expensive opiates that are also um, sold at the black market in Russia. And this is also the reason why crocodile is not a, actually a new drug, but it's um, I think it's just a way to manufacture a, a morphine derivative. There's a morphine. No, ab absolutely. And at the time, it seems like um, in Russia, codeine was readily available over the counter and heroin was, right. was not readily available due to interruption in supply and costs and things. And so people figured out that if they extracted the codeine using solvents or paint thinners or other things and then reduced it into um, a couple of metabolic products, they would create desimorphine with the red phosphorus and uh, iodine and other sort of caustic agents. Right. So so it seemed like your geographic relevance made it concerning. I can understand why people in Germany were afraid. And a lot of the coverage of this particular drug seems to emphasize its its severe disfiguring effects and its, and its high mortality. Did you find that there was a lot of elevated concern in Germany um, that it would catch on? Yes, I think um, initially there was much concern about this new drug because of those very dangerous and badly looking um, Injuries, people suffering after injecting this um, suspension, this crocodile suspension. But I think um, after those cases have never been confirmed and um, uh, no other cases were reported, no other suspicious cases, it calmed down a little bit in Germany. And currently, I think it's just two years ago, um, I think there was the last report. It was November 2011, but also in the beginning of 2012, um, this phenomenon was not represented in the media. So it's I think in Germany it's over, but this does not mean that the crocodile is not a problem. It's it's completely unknown, and there's no systematic research, or um, there's also no focus from the 
legal authorities on this phenomenon, it might be that it comes up again, but I don't know, it's speculative. No, absolutely. And do you do you think, I mean, there is geographic proximity and, and Germany, although it is a, a wonderful country, has its fair share of drug users. Do you think there are particular reasons that have um, that have made it less popular and and not used? Why the use of of crocodile has really been limited to Russia and hasn't seemed to expand westward? Yeah, this is a quite interesting question. I don't know why, because um, the problem that um, morphine is expensive is a problem that is um, that is present all over the world. So, so drug addicts, heroin addicts in Germany are also um, confronted with this problem in the same way as um, drug addicts are in Russia. Possibly, you're right, and there are specific um, geographical um, conditions that made this um, crocodile thing never a big problem. I don't know. I don't know. One can speculate about it. Um, but surely it's not a consequence of act or control the performance of the legal authorities. I think um, this was also kind of neglected here in Germany. I think, I don't know, it's, it was a spontaneous remission, if you want if you want it like that. I don't know why. No, that's, that's an excellent clinical analogy. It, it's, it was a spontaneous um, remission uh, there. And, and also, it seemed like in your paper, you discussed sort of an exhaustive literature search for information on this. And in the end, it seems like you had to rely on a lot of informal sources because there really wasn't a lot of uh, peer-reviewed literature out there on it. That's true. Um, there is no scientific discussion of the phenomenon. At the point of time when we tried to do these two short reviews, we were completely lying on non-scientific um, sources. But in the years after our two publications, there were further um, yeah, kind of, I think, public health approaches to this problem. Um, I think these originate from Swiss or also from the Scandinavian countries, which are basically more interested in those uh, in those problems. But of course, there is no scientific approach to this problem, and I guess it, it, also in the future it might be very difficult to find users or to make a systematic um, study of those users or the substances people are using, it's hard to, to get in contact with those people because they're also always afraid of um, getting in touch with the law. Yes, um, maybe this is the reason for um, this lack of scientific information. No, I think that's definitely true. This is It's already a marginalized population, um, both because it's not something we always like to focus on and because the population itself, because of legal concerns and other issues, tends to shy away from the limelight. And um, certainly uh, the, the case that I was um, that I was involved with, um, the particular patient not really wanting to give sort of a sample or to give um, more information or confirmatory testing out of various fears. And so these people tend to flee pretty quickly. I don't know if you've heard, but Recently, there's been concern now um, in recent months that there might have been cases in the United States, um, possibly in Arizona, now possibly in Illinois. Yes, I've heard about this, and I was I was shocked and also interested in parallel by this media reports. I've read about it, um, and 
Actually, um, as you told, I think um, these cases have not been confirmed. Is this true? Um, so my understanding right now is that um, so the cases reported out of Arizona through the Poison Control Center there, and the cases reported in Chicago ha have not been confirmed on chemical analysis, and that's that's one of the difficulties too. Very often, the way that the United States Poison Control System works is you're providing information and consultation via a phone service, and so. Um, mm -hmm. It can be difficult to force testing. It seems like, given that this drug, though, the desimorphine, is extremely similar in structure, both to codeine and morphine, it should be easy to test for in terms of uh, standard urine opiate screens, and then confirmatory tests um, with, um, with uh, mass spectroscopy should be possible. Do you think it's possible to determine which was the original um, substance which was injected, um, or is it impossible to... Um determine of if it was codeine, morphine, or desomorphine, which was uh, initially injected? That's a good question. I, I certainly think it's definitely possible. Um, the big determinants that are going to affect that, um, first of all, would, would theoretically be a standard urine drug screen for morphine or morphine metabolites, which often turns positive uh, for various morphine metabolites, but not all of them. But because my understanding from Arrowhead and from some other drug reference websites is that the creation of the desimorphine is so messy that even in that you get a little bit of codeine and you get some other metabolites that that should trigger a positive opiate screen if enough of it is excreted and the testing is done quickly enough after that. But um, that wouldn't necessarily tell you that it's desimorphine. Then you would need to do um, probably I've seen I've seen reports in the analytical literature of uh, liquid chromatography and mass uh, spectrophotometry to confirm testing. And as long as it's in the library, I actually think it should be relatively straightforward to test for. Um, I haven't seen any case reports, and my understanding so far is that the U.S. reports are unconfirmed. So it should be testable, but I haven't seen it tested for tested for yet. And so then we're left in the same sort of quandary of, is this actually crocodile? Because it's interesting, shortly after the Arizona uh, report, there was a report of three cases within a matter of a day and a half in Illinois. And, and when people watch the news, sometimes um, sometimes that plants an idea in their head too. And mm -hmm. so uh, I'm not sure, I think we have to get further testing on this. I was also very surprised because the U.S. has a very unfavorable market for um, crocodile in some respects. We have a plentiful supply of oxycodone, a plentiful supply of heroin, and actually codeine is, is a prescription medication, so it's not easy to get. Yeah, this is the same situation in Germany, and um, possibly um, I can add um, to your second or third question um, regarding those possible geographical um, conditions that make it um, make um, particular countries more susceptible to develop a um, crocodile endemia or something like that. This is, I think, the basic problem, the access to those um, basic ingredients, codeine um, especially. And in Germany, it's also an over-the-counter drug, and this might um, contribute to um, the fact that um, it has never made a big issue here in Germany. And do you know, it seems like more recently, the Russian government has um, has scheduled uh, or made made uh, codeine only available via prescription. Do you know if those attempts have decreased any of the incidence of use in Russia? Um, actually, I don't know exactly. I also know about those announcements. It was announced already, I think, in 2010 or 2011 that um, those over-the-counter status of um, codeine should be re um, revised and it should be only available in prescription. But um, actually, it is not very easy to um, get access to those um, information sources from Western points.
Yeah, I guess sometimes certain governments can, I guess, almost try to mask a problem uh, to make it seem like it's better rather than release actual actual information. So there's been a lot of discussion about how it's similar to heroin. It's uh, apparently got 10 times the analgesic potency of morphine. It's got a short half-life. It's got a quick kick in a way. So it's, it's, it's very ideal for being an addictive substance. And there's some discussion that it's multiple times as addictive as heroin. But it seems like um, heroin is so addictive. When somebody tells me that something is X number of times as addictive as heroin, I don't know that that changes much. I feel like jumping off of a 40-story building is probably more dangerous than jumping off a 30-story building, but you're still going to do a good deal of damage either way. Of course, you're right, and um, it's not it's not very valuable to compare those um, two substances, but actually there are differences regarding the pharmacokinetic properties of uh, morphine and desomorphine um, aspects um, that you already have mentioned. It's the analgesic properties, the shorter elimination half-life, and the faster onset of action that makes um, the substance particularly capable of um, inducing a rapid onset of addiction. But of course, you're right, it's not very valuable to compare those substances, um, especially to, um, in comparison to morphine that shows a very high addiction um, potential, of course. Do you think that, I mean, in the U.S., we have readily available opioid replacement therapies to try to reduce um, recurrence of opioid abuse. Do you think that those might be useful in treating um, patients who are addicted to uh, desomorphine? Yes, I think this should be very useful, but I think um, in the first place it should be um, performed, and this is an um, a task that should be um, realized by the legal authorities to provide information to heroin addicts, um, also to prevent an, an, an spreading of this phenomenon. Because um, I think the, um, the people who use heroin are very desperate and they try to um, find sources that are cheaper. And of course, um, crocodile is a very cheap um, possibility to um, satisfy the, the addiction needs. And um, this is because um, this is why it is very very necessary to to um, make possibly and, and get uh, make those um, heroin addicts capable to um, get access to this um, information necessary that they know um, that crocodile is possibly dangerous and lethal to them. This is very important, I think. I completely agree. That's an important message, I think, and that's probably why some of the other. Um uh, uh, Western European countries have, have focused on harm reduction and and policy changes to try and minimize the harm from this particular from this particular drug. Is there anything else that you feel like if if the United States is concerned about use of this drug or an outbreak of this drug? Is there anything else that you feel like we as medical providers or patients should know? I think the U.S. is um, um, in the same situation as Germany was in two years before. Two or three cases have arised and um, get a big media concern, and this is, I think, very important and it's also um, very necessary that the media are discussing this phenomenon and in a, in a rapid way that people um, are provided with uh, with information. But I don't think there are particular conditions that make the USA particularly susceptible to develop. Um, spreading of, um, of crocodile. I don't think so. But it's, it's very, uh, very good that the media are discussing this phenomenon. And um, 
I think um, also that Cody, also the reason that codeine is, an, is not an over-the-counter drug in the U.S. makes it not not very probable that this might be a big problem in the U.S. No, I, I I think that's definitely true. I hope that, as you said, maybe we also undergo a spontaneous remission. Um, or we get some clarification as to the nature of these reported cases. The U.S. already has its own problem. We prescribe more opiate medications than anyone else in the world. We're already dealing with, I think, over 16,000 deaths related to opioids a year. And so um, sometimes I get concerned that, that while this is an important public health issue, the focus on the potential cases that have not led to any fatalities sometimes distracts from the very real issue of addiction and opioid dependence in, in the U.S. Right. Right. Thank you very much for the interview. It was a pleasure for me to talk about this phenomenon. Thank you very much. I think you might be hearing from people, given that you've written, I think, two of the eight um, literature papers on this so far, one being in French. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Goodbye, Mr. Zuckerman. Goodbye. Well, I want to thank you for listening to another edition of Talks Talk. Um, I think this particular interview might actually create more questions than it answers, but I think that's a first step in responding to, to these uh, reported cases with a level head. Um, I definitely look forward to more information coming out from toxicologists and physicians in Arizona and elsewhere about this phenomenon. And I'm, I'm sure that the U.S. will see some effect from crocodile, as we are a popular country for most substances. Um, looking at the at some of the online bulletin boards that discuss this drug, there's always um, a couple of posts scattered in there about how they'd like to try it. Um, there's always a few extreme users who want to push the edge. And also, um, sometimes our interest in homebrew uh, in the U.S. sometimes extends into illicit substances, and I'm sure that with easily accessible recipes for cooking this on the Internet, I'm sure right now that some misguided uh, person is trying a kitchen experiment. But whether this becomes a mainstream concern is something that remains to be seen. And in the end, it is slightly frustrating that the biggest discussion we've had on this, um, though thousands of people are dying from opioid and uh, drug overdose deaths uh, every year, is, is really about the cosmetic effects and, and, uh, and how it sort of disfigures you. Even reminds me of uh, the Faces of Meth campaign, which sort of has to show you how ugly your teeth and face will get if you uh, use crystal meth. Um, sometimes, I guess, we have to focus on uh, people's vanity rather than overall health motives. And uh, given the localization of confirmed cases to Russia right now, it's been difficult to get English language information on this particular drug. Um, I, for one, don't know where the commonly cited uh, life expectancy of one year comes from. Um, it's unclear if there's actually a spectrum of illness. Are there people who are injecting and are getting uh, local reactions but are not losing limbs? Um, that's what you would expect from most from uh, most substances. And so if any medical providers out there with experience with this drug uh, hear this, um, whether you agree or disagree or have more to add to the conversation, please contact us. You can email us talkstalk at talkstalk.org. That's T-O-X-T-A-L-K at uh, talkstalk.org. Additionally, uh, more information as well as links to uh, Dr. Gar's papers will be available at our website, talkstalk.org, and more information will be forthcoming on there and on our Twitter feed. Check us out in the iTunes store, and please leave feedback and ratings. That's often how other listeners find us. This is Matt Zuckerman signing off. Talkstalk is a toxicology podcast from the University of Massachusetts Medical School, Division of Toxicology and Department of Emergency Medicine.